Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Taylor. And I am also your host, a guest host, James Vincent. So Alex is on vacation for the next few episodes. And as you guys probably know, I've been inviting some of my favorite people to come on and guest host with me. And today, beauty baddies, we have two beauty industry legends on the show. James, would you introduce yourself to the beauty baddies? I am honored to. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm James Vincent. I am an old, old, old makeup artist. I've been (laughs) doing this for about 27 years. Um, I started in fashion and beauty and celebrity work, but my career in the last few years has really been uh, a focus on community building and advocacy and education and really working to bring inclusion and diversity with companies like the makeup show and the powder group. So as a makeup artist, I say I've worked with everybody from Lady Gaga to Barack Obama, but I feel like my legacy won't be a magazine or a music video. I hopefully it will be being part of this community that I love so much and building opportunity for for the people coming up behind us. Oh, what a beautiful introduction, honestly. That's gorgeous, especially because I think I'll say my generation specifically is really We're always looking for mentors, I think, right? I think we're looking for, because like we're such disruptors, right? A lot of what we uh, look to the future to hasn't yet been built. It hasn't yet been created because it looks so different from what our parents' future, like current life looks like, I guess. So just having mentorship, having people hold you by the hand and say, come with me. (laughs) You don't really know what you're doing, but that's okay. I can help you. I can help you like, you know, build this road is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so thank you so much for uh, existing. This is the second time today. (laughs) I'm saying thank you for existing, but thank Thank you you so much. And thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. You know, I'm so inspired by not just what you guys are doing with the podcast. I think that it's, you know, it's great for the people who are listening to learn about people in their industry but then who you are and what you're bringing to it like I'm looking over your shoulder and there's like an image of Intazaki Shange and I'm like (laughs) you know I think what you do here is really celebrate the enormity of what the beauty industry can be Mm -hmm. and I so I'm so honored to to be here with you and I I just appreciate you so much I'm, I'm a big fan Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, Beauty Patties, I teased you that we have two beauty legends on the show. You just met the first one. <laughs> and James, I'm going to let you tell the baddies who else we have on the show today. Okay, no pressure. Today, <laughs> today we're going to speak with the Lip Bar founder and CEO, Melissa Butler. Um, she's just, she's so incredible on so many levels. And she has become a multifaceted leader who has transitioned from Wall Street to entrepreneurship and since then has grown the lip bar tenfold. She is being honored as Inc.'s top entrepreneur in 2020. She is recognized in Black Enterprises Top 40 Under 40 in 2022. And most recently, which is crazy to me, she's raised an oversubscribed $6.7 million in funding to continue growing TLB's house brands, the lip bar and thread beauty. So, you know, for me, I'm I'm such a fan of the product as a working makeup artist, but what Melissa is doing and, and what she's creating here it inspires me on so many levels. Yeah, she's incredible. She's definitely a force. She's definitely a woman. You know, I always say I love a woman who knows who she is. And she's a woman who knows who she is, who knows what she's about. And she knows who her... Um, 
who her people are. She knows who her community is and she knows who she's building her brand for, which is so beautiful and important. And I think it's, there's so much for, for everybody to take from this conversation, for sure, whether you are an inspiring business owner or an entrepreneur or just a consumer, just a person in the world trying to live their best life and feel beautiful and accepted and included. Wow. A little bit of something for everybody today, I think. Yeah, I love that. So um, before we jump into our conversation with Melissa, let's transition to my favorite, my absolute favorite segment of the show. So this segment is now called The Induction into the Beauty Baddie Almanac. And in this segment, we pay homage to some of our favorite heroes of past and present. And we get to teach the Beauty Baddie community about who they are and why they're being inducted. So James, who are we inducting into the Beauty Baddie Almanac today? Well, you know, I went back and forth with a few of my favorite authors and activists and poets. Um, I kind of overthink everything all the time, so (laughs) I really had a lot of choices. But as someone who really owes so much of my career to the music part of the industry and working in the music industry and who picked up my first makeup brushes because of some female musicians, I thought the person that I would talk about today is Joan Jett, Mm -hmm. who is an amazing rocker, but also is an icon with her eyeshadow and uh, has done so much as an activist and for so many great causes as well. I love that. And you also have some personal history with Joan Jett. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, I am Joan's makeup artist, which is kind of full circle because, and I hope Joan never finds out, but I actually have like, what would Joan Jett do tattooed on my hand? Um, oh my God. <laughs> I've been obsessed with her since I was like a teenager and getting the opportunity to work with her and get to know her and, you know, put part of the family. Um, it makes her even more like, I'm more informed about what a badass she is, to be honest. Yes. Yes. What a dream come true. Yeah. You know, the older I get, the more I realize that you're so in charge of your destiny, but also Mm -hmm. you're so much closer to to whatever it is that you want than you think. And so I love that there's this woman who inspired you so much and inspired you to get into this industry and inspired you to get a tattoo that says, what would Joan Jett do? And now she's your client. Yeah. It's funny, too, because like Joan's story growing up is like a queer, weird, fat kid, you know, rock and roll and music were so often my escape. And um, Joan is someone whose music was so powerful for me. And then meeting her as a person and hearing her story, you know, like 27 record labels turned her down Mm. before she put out her first album. So they said there were no number ones and she should put down the guitar and just sing. And so she raised the money, produced it herself with her partner. They started the first female-owned rock and roll record label. uh, And there were four number ones on that album. Like, Mm. you know, that idea of just believing in yourself and and not caring about a bad reputation and like, you know, just, just... putting it forward, I think, especially for so many women in so many industries um, or so many, you know, outsiders. Mm-hmm. It's so important to just have that belief in yourself and then find that motivation to to be able to do the things you want to do. 100%. Yes. Joan Jett, welcome to the Beauty Betty Almanac. And also, I have to say, I don't even think you meant to do this purposefully, but what a beautiful transition into our conversation with Melissa today, because those are such similar themes, right? Somebody telling you there's no room for you here in this industry. Nobody wants what you're selling, but having the belief in yourself that you know who your audience is more than the gatekeepers and to keep going and to find success on the other side. I have always said there are always going to be people in your life who will tell you you can't do something. I think you and I have had this conversation before, but I would say like, then just get out of my way because I would rather (laughs) fail. You know, I would rather fail doing something that I'm passionate about doing than have a regret later in life that I didn't give it a try. Yes. Yes. Okay. So with that, you guys, please enjoy our conversation with the absolutely incredible Melissa Butler, the CEO and founder of The Lip Bar. Enjoy. Hey, I am Melissa Butler, the founder and CEO of The Lip Bar. And more recently, I launched a second beauty brand called Thread Beauty. 
It's so interesting because I never thought that I would be in the beauty industry. I barely know how to do my makeup. And most people who start their own brands come from like this deep seated passion about the product or they're just like, they have this crazy skill set. I actually started the lip bar because I was so frustrated with the beauty industry. So it came from the complete opposite angle. Um, It wasn't because of admiration. It was more so like, I want to see more diversity, less toxic chemicals. Um, I want to see us saying that beauty looks like a multitude of things as opposed to the linear approach that we typically take. And so all of those ideas sort of drove me to making lipstick in my Brooklyn kitchen when I was working on Wall Street. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no actual industry insight, but I knew that I was passionate enough because at the end of the day, like especially for women, how we look oftentimes results in how we feel and how we feel oftentimes is like a direct indicator of like how well, we're able to go out into the world and have that confidence or like, you know, go out and just accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. So I understood very quickly the power of beauty, the power of makeup. And I wanted to make sure that I was empowering people through makeup. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you. Okay. So you said that you're not a huge makeup person, but you knew the power of makeup. Where did you learn that, the power of makeup? And what made you, as somebody who like just self-identified as a non-makeup person, decide that that was the route that you wanted to go to, to dedicate your life to? Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up, my mom was a licensed cosmetologist. So we grew up doing like face masks on the weekend. So I feel like I was always pretty close to the beauty industry, but never thinking about it as the beauty industry. And so like, I think that's a really important distinction because as I got older and sort of thought about like how I'm supposed to take care of myself as a woman or how I wanted to take care of myself as a woman, you start looking for sort of those, um, those images or those idols of like, who can I grow up to be? So your first example is like your immediate family, like my mom, um, my aunts, things of that nature. But we all know that we are influenced every single day by media and pop culture. And what I saw in media and pop culture was just like, it was so frustrating because it was so much of the same. It was like the same type of person day in and day out. Um, and that's sort of what led me to to get in the beauty industry because I was always a consumer. Like by default, we're consumers of the beauty industry. Like washing your hair every day, you know, washing your face, those are all direct correlations to beauty. And if you even think about skincare, like if someone isn't, using the right products on their face, they then can have acne, which can lower your self-esteem and self-confidence. So for me, it's always been about confidence. Like how can I build more confidence in myself? I was working in a corporate environment that wasn't necessarily the friendliest. (laughs) Wall Street is not, you know, it's not really conducive to sort of creativity or self-expression. So I was sort of... um, a part of the beauty industry just by being a part of society because Mm. like a lot of things are driven by our looks and, and understanding that and realizing that and accepting it, frankly, I was like, okay, I can also change it. Mm. I love that. Thank you. I love that too. James and I were just speaking about this exact same thing right before you came on. You know, when I was, I think that you and I are probably about the same age, Melissa, when I was growing up, there was one type of beauty and we all got tricked into believing that like there is just this one way to look. Right. And mm-hmm. if you didn't look like this, then mm-hmm. it wasn't the right way. Then you weren't pretty. That you weren't pretty. Right. But then mm-hmm. it's like, who is the person who's behind this? Right. Who are the gatekeepers? It certainly wasn't other women. <laughs> Most no. of the times it's men that are deciding that this is what's beautiful. This is what beauty is. We're going to choose the woman who's going to represent it and, you know, get everybody else on board with us. And because of, again, the gatekeeping nature to media, we all had no choice but to accept it, really. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, you know, my first steps into the beauty industry were um, I was writing my dissertation on women of color and the white beauty myth, because for me, growing up in a mixed family, 
even in the 90s, there was no one that looked like us. There were no Black women on the cover of magazines. There were no Latina women win winning Emmy Awards. The Cosby Show hadn't kind of created a space for expression of any type of culture on TV. And I wanted to know why. Like, why were my aunts unable to go into a department store and find a foundation that didn't match their skin? Why were my nieces playing with dolls that didn't look like them? Where was the size? Where was the shape? Where was the color? Where was the celebration? of our Black and Latin communities in beauty. And so the only beauty I knew was what I saw being passed down from my aunts to my cousins or from my grandmother to my mother. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think it creates a sense of when you don't see yourself represented, you either get pushed to cry and create that space for other people, or you start to kind of fall into the background and think maybe you're never going to feel pretty or look, you know, I don't know, the, you know, the concepts of those things. I think you're totally right. I always say that, like, without representation, we're left seeking validation. Yeah. And it's such a dangerous place to be in. It's like, if I don't know that, you know, I'm actually possible and that I'm okay, like, it's okay for me to exist as is, that's when you get into sort of you know, this culture of people thinking that they have to transform, they have to become someone other than who they are, because they don't believe in their own shape, their own skin, their own hair types. You know, you can go down the laundry list of beauty. Um, like I did a TED talk a few years ago in Detroit, TEDx, and it led me to doing all this research about plastic surgery. And like, I don't care. I am a person who's like, do whatever you want to do, but actually do it because you want to do it, not because the world says that this is what beauty looks like. And so when you look at sort of statistics, you know, at first it was sort of like the skin bleaching, then you go into the plastic surgery era. Everything sort of has these like crazy spikes that's all trend driven. And it's like, I, it, it becomes like so sad to me because where's the trend of like just being you? Where's the, the acceptance trend? When is that going to happen? Um, and I think we're getting better in the beauty industry because of a lot of multicultural founders. Um, you know, there are lots of beauty brands that are amazing that are doing great work, but it still is going to take a lot of time, effort to really educate the masses and get them to believe like it's okay to be exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think it needs people who have big voices and big platforms to be able to support that, too. Yeah. You know, with the makeup show this this last few years, it's about decolonizing beauty. Why is it a table of, you know, old white guys in France that's deciding what <laughs> cosmetics looks like? Mm -hmm. but, you know, but then it's it's so many small independent brands that do not have the funding, do not have the the budgets. And so we try and build that space. And then you see something like Fenty come in. Um, and, you know, I worked with Rihanna to bring Fenty to market. I interviewed over 2,800 people for Rihanna. And honestly, she didn't give a shit about 45 foundation shades. She was involved in every piece of that. But her biggest goal was that a 15-year-old would walk into Sephora and see themselves because mm -hmm. she knew how important it was to just know that you were there in this beauty space, you know, yeah. and how powerful that could be for young people mm -hmm. or anyone. Yes, I agree. Uh, I love all of this so much. So to backtrack a little bit, Melissa, will you tell us, tell our listeners, I guess, a little bit about your journey to where you are today? Because it, it, I know that it wasn't easy. And in case our listeners aren't familiar, and, in, and also, please tell me if you're not interested in talking about this, because I know that it was probably not a great feeling. But you started your business, you got to a certain point, and then you were on Shark Tank. And will you talk about your experience there and how that affected you're moving forward within your business? Uh, it really was nothing. It's so interesting. Everybody always wants to talk about Shark Tank. And it's it's fascinating, um, I think, because it's a reminder of like how much we allow outside influences to determine, again, who we are and how we show up and what we believe about ourselves. I started the Lip Bar in 2012 with the goal, like literally from day one, our mantra was challenging the beauty standard. Like literally from day one when we launched February 21st, 2012. 
And, you know, that showed up in a lot of ways, casting models, like deep toned models and putting them in bright colored lips just to say like, hey, yes, with your beautiful black skin, you can still wear something bright or, you know, you can wear a red lip or you can find your perfect nude lips. And so we've worked really hard to sort of break those barriers and those beliefs that have been long held specifically within the black community. And then we just, we did really fun stuff. Like we launched a lip bar truck. We took it on tour. We went around like to big cities around the the country. We ended up going on Shark Tank. And really like Shark Tank is really great for visibility. Like when you're a small brand, the thing that you don't have oftentimes is capital, human capital in the form of people, but also financial capital in terms of like, do you have marketing dollars to grow your business? And so I think it's really important for entrepreneurs of any business to think about, okay, how can I do the most with the least? And going on that show, I knew we would get eyes on us. Mm -hmm. So like they were cruel to us. You guys can watch it. We don't have to get into it, but they were cruel to us. And then we kept going. And that Mm -hmm. was sort of the end of that. And lots of people have been really impressed by our resilience. But like, did I ever believe in what I wanted to do or what I set out to achieve if one no was going to make me stop. You know, so that's how I looked at it. Like I didn't start my business for them. I wasn't going to stop my business for them. It was never a thought like, oh, they didn't believe in me. So I'm going to, you know, shut things down. The reality is as an entrepreneur, you will face, you know, trials and tribulations every single day. Like Mm -hmm. you will get your heart broken a million times. You will fail a million times. But like what's important is when you get back up and what you take from it in terms of that learning experience. So I look at everything as a learning experience and an opportunity to just get a little bit better. So what I learned from that was like, oh, they weren't my audience. Of course Mm -hmm. they don't get it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to challenge the beauty standard. They don't even realize that there is a beauty standard, you know? <laughs> so, um, so it was, it actually ended up being great for us, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we got all of this visibility. They re-aired the episode like 20 times. Wow. And, and then last year, like that was really early in the lip bars, you know, tenure. Like the company is 10 years old. The first three years of the business, I was making everything with my bare hands. Like every single product that we sold came from my bare hands. And I think that was year four when we went on to Shark Tank. And so we had so much opportunity to just continue to evolve the business. And like today, we're the biggest black owned makeup company in Target, which is fantastic. And then we launched. Thank you. And then we launched a second brand that's also exclusive to Target. But if I would have put too much stock in sort of that moment, like I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't have a second company. I wouldn't be able to impact all of the women who have sort of watched me be resilient and then Mm. said, you know what? I'm going to start a business too because Melissa did it. Or Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep going. She said she didn't make money for the first five years. Okay, maybe maybe there's nothing wrong with me. Maybe it just takes time. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just building my plane in the sky because I'm underfunded which is very typical within multicultural communities. So, I mean, it's it's so layered, but I think it's a really important conversation to have in terms of like, as people, like no matter who you are, you have to like own your own narrative and don't allow someone else to tell a story that you then start believing. It's like, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about your idea? What do you believe about your business, your product, your customer, your community? whatever, like just being very clear about that and then using that as your North star so that when things, you know, when a, when a ball comes your way, you can dodge it, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. So powerful. Yes. Thank you. It's so incredible because you're right. They were cruel. And the reason that I, I brought it up was not to highlight the cruelness, but to highlight how you handled yourself afterwards and yeah. how, you know, it's so, so many people don't do things because they're afraid of what other people are going to say. Mm-hmm. And even more so, they're afraid of failing because mm-hmm. for some reason we live in this world that failure is the worst thing that can happen. Whereas in reality, failure is kind of, the, in my crazy Aries opinion, one of the best things that can happen. Oh, I'm an Aries too. You I'm are? an Aries too. Oh my, ah! we're all Aries? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. We get it. We get yes, it. we all understand. I love all this stuff. Makes me so happy. <laughs> but yes, it's you have to fail so that you know what didn't work. 
okay, that didn't work. We got to do something else now. What else are we going to try? And also, there's a lot of other people that are going to fail and not keep going. So you know what? It means that there's more room for your success, honestly. You're absolutely right. That wasn't your audience. What do they know? They don't even know that there is a beauty standard. That was perfect. (laughs) They don't even know that there's a problem. And, you know, I think just like following your North Star, following who you are in all aspects of your life, whether it's business, whether it's whatever, it's what's going to drive you towards success, whatever success looks like for you. I think what I responded to in those early days, too, was the product, which was so beautifully pigmented and worked well with such a diversity of skin tones, but was your your purpose, you know, your personality. Like, that for me, knowing your story early on, was such an important piece because I think that you were doing something that inspired so many other people. And so when I met you and then got to touch and try the product as a professional makeup artist, there was a wow. But knowing the story behind it was the, you know, the aha wow. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I was like, this is a brand that I'm going to support because this is bigger than just a beautiful lip color. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I I will never forget because we started, you know, speaking of scrappy, when I'm trying to figure out how to get new customers, I sort of looked at other people in in the industry and how other indie beauty brands were going about it. Um, like Danessa Myricks, who I love, like we would be at trade shows together and to see her brand sort of take off now, you know, after all of these years, it's so rewarding because oftentimes entrepreneurship is thankless. You know, mm-hmm. you're working and you're like, is this ever going to take off? Like, should I stop now? But like in that trade show environment, I had the incredible opportunity to just connect with people and to have people try the products and see their reactions. And I will never forget having a woman come up to our table and we had her try on a red lipstick. She was deep toned and, you know, she was kind of apprehensive about trying it on. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like basically like my grandma said, like this color is not for me. And I'm like, just try it. Like uh, we're known for a a red lipstick called Buff Lady. It's our bestseller in the entire company, like 10 years in a row or seven years in a row since we launched it. Like Michelle Obama has worn it. So this was like, I know Taraji, like people love this product. Like people love our red. So like we were at the early stages of like understanding that we might have a hero on our hands. Mm. And so like, I'm trying to get this woman to try it because I love interacting with customers. So when we're in that trade show setting, I'm like the sales machine. And she's like, oh, I'm a little unsure. And, you know, I don't think I can wear this. And I was like, trust me, this works for every single complexion. Like, trust me. She puts it on, she starts crying. Mm. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she was like, no, I can't. I can't wear this. Like, I'm not supposed to wear this color. Mm. And I was like, okay, let's just wipe it off and act like nothing ever happened. And like in that moment, I was like reminded that even though like it's just makeup or it's just lipstick, how much it can actually impact your self-esteem and sort of like how it can sort of stir, you know, whether it's childhood trauma or just, you know, everything from colorism. It was like, I saw everything bubble up in that moment. And I was like, we have to show more people and like these bold colored lips or these bright colored lips to say like, you know, maybe you haven't seen it before, but now is the time for you to see yourself in a different light. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh man, that to me is so powerful. That is why I got into makeup to, you know, help people get away from those moments of insecurity or vulnerability. And It's just such a, to hear those stories, I think is why we all do what we do. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. So I, I'm just, I'm excited about the direction of just the beauty industry. I think indie brands are taking over, which is great because oftentimes indie brands are more purpose-driven to your mm-hmm. point, James. Like, you know, we're solving our own problems or, you know, really going after inefficiencies that we see in the market. So I, I feel all warm and fuzzy when it comes to sort of like what's next mm-hmm. in, in the space. I love that. I love that also. 
I'd love to speak a little bit about, since we're touching on the emotional aspect of makeup, I always kind of mention this off the side. And now that we have uh, a lipstick episode, it's finally I can talk about this out loud. <laughs> but the idea of the lipstick effect in terms of the economy, I think, is very interesting. Mm. And I think it's even more interesting because, like, you know, when you read business news, they don't really talk about this until it's actually happening and everybody seems to be shocked. But it kind mm-hmm. of is plays into like the patriarchy and how un ununderstanding <laughs> the people who are like making the big decisions are of uh, this industry. And so what the lipstick effect says essentially is that in times of economic downturn, women will continue to purchase little goods that make them feel great about themselves, such as a lipstick. Sales will actually go up for lipstick in times of economic recession or a mascara. Or right now they're saying, I think um, I don't, there's something else that they're saying is like the next lipstick effect trend, I suppose. And so since right now we're in, crazy economic times yeah. and you uh, have an incredible collection of, of makeup that's actually quite affordable. I would kind of just like love to speak about, I guess, your your thoughts on keeping everything really like affordable, your thoughts on how to maybe encourage women who haven't had tried lipstick before um, to give it a go, especially these days when we all need a little pick me up when things aren't that great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy you brought up the lipstick effect because I feel like every time there's like an economic downturn of sorts, people are sort of still using it as that meter to see like, is this still working? And while it used to be very explicitly lipstick, you know, like you just mentioned, now it's just good. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it can be nail polish, it can be mascara, it can be blush, it can be you changing your hair color. You know, I think self-care is really popular right now. So people are sort of just looking for those little points of relief. And I sort of approached building the lip bar and more recently Thread Beauty in a very same or similar way. Like the lip bar's average price point is like $15, even though it's like the packaging is super cute. Everything is vegan and cruelty free. Everything is packed with pigment. Like we use like virtual trying on technology on our website. We're making big investments and still driving a very affordable and effective product. We even just like launched skincare uh, or it's launching in a couple of days, but like it has like the highest amount or highest percentage of hyaluronic acid. So we're, we're sort of like doing the work while also understanding that at the end of the day, we want you to think about like how you are eating. We want you to think about like where you're investing your money. And one of the things that I think my customers appreciate about me is my perspective is always that makeup is not the most important thing, which is why we launched this system called the fast face that's designed for you to get your makeup look in just a few minutes. Mm. or why we invest in virtual try-on because we're trying to like take the hassle out of makeup. I think Mm. that makeup has gotten really complicated with like people watching YouTube videos that are 20 minutes and buying 25 products. So it's like, okay, how do we simplify this and allow this to be the actual simple and easy pick-me-up that it could or should be? So that's why everything is really affordable because like I don't want you to have to think too much about it. Mm. It's like it's a red lipstick or it's a brow pencil, you know, Um, and then thread. Everything is super affordable there. Everything is literally priced at eight dollars. Wow. And I'm just amazed at like the formulas we were able to create because obviously, you know, it's it's more affordable. So like we're we were thinking like, okay, if we if we do this, is it gonna be effective? Like we're still small. Mm-hmm. So we've achieved some economies of scale just off of, you know, our growth over the last several years, but we're still a tiny company in comparison to the conglomerates. And I'm like, okay, well let's see what we can get within these parameters. And like we have a concealer at Thread that is so amazing that is going to give Shape Tape a run for its money. And it's $8, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's one of those things where like, I am very clear on who my customer is. My customer is that everyday woman. My customer is not looking to invest a ton of time or money into her beauty routine, but she still values looking good. Mm-hmm. She wants to like feel good and look good, but she doesn't want to make those sacrifices. She wants it all. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we we look to support her and we and we do that by making products accessible, which is why we chose like a target model over, you know, a different model, um, which is why we have things affordable and which is why like we try really hard to make sure that we're checking every single box so that 
you don't feel like you're left out at this price point, you know? Mm-hmm. The access for me, that word, right? Like there's so much lip service lately, especially from beauty and fashion industries about inclusion and representation. But if there is not access, right, then who is it for? If it's a $200 shadow palette, there may be somebody who looks like me behind it. But if people can't purchase it, <laughs> you know, totally. like, yeah. what is the point? And I love, love, love that you are looking at the access, but then also elevating all of these other pieces like pigment and technology and ingredients and the vegan aspects. Like, So people are able to get that luxury lifestyle that they're seeing, but in a way that equates in their life. And I think that is the... That is the other wow. The target model for me is so genius because it allows everybody to be able to be part of it. Yeah, thank you. And that's literally the goal because like we are a part of it, whether we choose it or not. Even if you don't sort of like follow social media or the internet, you kind of, it just seeps into your world. You know what's going on in pop culture. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what the trends are of the moment just by existing just by walking down the street. And so it's like everyone should be able to participate in their own beauty journey and they should be able to do it easily. Totally. Yes. I love that too. Um, We actually have a listener letter that I would love for you to answer to the best of your ability, which I'm sure you'll have no problem answering. While we're speaking a little bit about um, being vegan and cruelty-free, a lot of our listeners are constantly asking us about sustainability, about uh, vegan products, cruelty-free. And so um, I happened to just find this in our inbox. So I I'm going to just read it. So the subject is cruelty versus vegan. Hi, ladies. Mm -hmm. I'm keeping it quick. I'm a practicing vegan, not consistent enough for the official vegan name. And I'd love to hear you talk about the difference between cruelty free and vegan products. I try for both, but sometimes both labels aren't explicitly stated. I'm guessing Mm -hmm. the vegan label is the one to prioritize, but would like your thoughts and insights. Thank you, Kara. Yeah, that's a good question. So this is where like it gets a little political. Because certain countries require brands that are selling to test on animals. Mm. Like in China, it is required for beauty products to be tested on animals. So vegan is just like, I'm not using any animal ingredients, animal-based products or, you know, byproducts. Cruelty-free is sort of like, I'm not testing on those animals. I'm not doing anything to harm those animals. So you can be vegan and not be cruelty free. Mm. You know, you can be cruelty free and not be vegan. And also I want to remind us like none of this stuff is really regulated. So it gets all really funky if we're going to be honest, like the term natural or the term green. Remember when everybody was talking about going green Mm -hmm. like six years ago, like natural and clean means something different to everyone different. So like if you look at beauty brands or a beauty, um, distributors like Sephora. Sephora has a specific clean list. Credo has a completely different clean list. Target has a different list for being clean. So it requires, unfortunately, it requires the customer to understand like, where do your values align? Mm -hmm. What means the most to you? Do you need it to be vegan and cruelty-free? Do you just need it to be cruelty-free? Do you actually need it to be natural? Do you need it to be organic? Because like it can be natural and still not be vegan. Mm-hmm. You know, carmine, carmine is like, basically, it's a red, beautiful hue, but it comes from crushed beetles. It's in a lot of products. It's in a ton of beauty products, specifically red lipsticks. Mm. And so oftentimes what you'll see in the beauty industry is people saying they want something, but not really knowing what it means. Mm. Um, you'll also see people or you'll see brands have the perspective of like, I'm natural. And so maybe I'll use honey in my product. Well, honey is technically not vegan Mm -hmm. because it comes from bees or beeswax is technically not vegan. So it's, it's such a interesting outlook on the industry just because it's so subjective and like you have to just, I would recommend that consumers find brands that, that align with their beliefs the most. So if you're like, I love animals, like what we say at Thread is we prefer for our animals to be cuddled up beside us than in labs for testing. Mm-hmm. So like if that's your thing, you probably want to go vegan and cruelty free. If you want to just be 100% natural or organic, maybe that doesn't equal vegan. You know, if you are just like, okay, I can use animal products if they're not being harmed, maybe you're vegan, but not cruelty free. So you'll have to just like 
pick pick your battles, basically. Mm. And then also it depends on what country you're in. Yeah. And then it also depends on your country. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's a great answer. Thank you. Thank and, you. And we're honest. We are always telling our listeners that is, you know, we live in a capitalist society and the, the job is to sell products and they listen to the consumers, but only when the consumers are forcing it. And that's why yeah. indie beauty is such a huge thing, right? Because the indie beauty brands are able to listen to the consumers, make what they want. And then the big guys start to try to take a piece of that market. But for them to take yeah. a piece of that market it's very difficult because now they've got to change everything, right? Now they've got to change how they're testing things, how they're manufacturing things. And so rather than doing that, it's easier to kind of get around the subject. It's easier to kind of just just like trick the consumer. I want to also call out like in terms of sustainability, like I think everybody is pushing for it, right? We know that our planet is not well. Like I'm from Detroit. I live in Detroit. You know, it's 50 degrees in Detroit. That's not normal. It should act, it's, it'll be frigid, but like it should be like 15 degrees right now. Yeah. It should be 20 degrees, not 50. So we know that something is happening to our planet actively. And we know that there's this big call to action on sustainability. But indie brands, while we can sort of carry the torch and carry the flag, we oftentimes just don't have the resources like to to make sustainable packaging. Mm-hmm. So we need the big guys to, to come and like drive economies of scale to invest in the technology because we don't have the dollars to make the investment. So it just, it requires the consumer to keep asking for it. It requires the big brands and governments to invest in it. And then indie brands are, we're sort of the opportunists who can sort of come in, make it cool, make it authentic, you know, take a different spin on it. But it's rare that we we have the technology to actually drive like, major change at a component level in the business. James and I were just, this is so funny that we're running into the same uh, topics, but we were just talking about the same thing right before you jumped on. So that's, Mm. it's, uh, (laughs) I'm glad that you brought it up because we were also brainstorming about possibly doing another episode together on this exact topic. So it's (laughs) it's kind of a perfect segue and also a sign from the universe to (laughs) make that episode. I Um, I think it's funny that the big brands will knock off people's products so often from the indie brands, but they do not knock off their business practices. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which yes. is really what we need to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard Schultz, he's the CEO of Starbucks, or I don't know if he still is, but he at least he used to be. Um, he, one day he said, like, as a CEO or president or whatever, you know, a big wig in a company, your goal is to cannibalize your own business. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you, that's how you make sure that your business gets better because you're always thinking, oh, okay, how can I kill my own business because someone else kills me? Mm. And like, that's what we need these big companies to do, frankly. I think after, you know, when 2020 hit, I think we saw so many big brands really show themselves. You know, it was such a important year in beauty culture, you know, with with the pandemic, but also movements like Black Lives Matter, I think we saw so many brands that really could have stepped up. And so with the makeup show, there are a lot of brands we no longer work with because they were performative in their actions, but didn't follow up. They fired artists during, you know, a time where people really need to be supportive. And then they tried to come back and get all of our professional makeup dollars. And we were like, this We can no longer stand for this as consumers either. And I think that's the other call is that we have to be aware of who we're buying from and what their mission statements are. And I think that's one thing that you do so beautifully is I can go to your website, I can pick up your product, and I know what's important to you. And I know that I can buy something that's important to me. And I think that is such a great example that you lead as well. And and, uh, you know, I, you, I hope you should be really proud of that because I think you're such a game changer in a lot of ways. But I think that that authenticity and integrity has been part of, of what you do since we met as well. And I would Thank love to so see much. somebody knock that off from you. you know <laughs> <what> you <laughs> right. Well, I'm just I'm just doing my best. I'm just like, I actually don't think too much about things like I am an impulsive person mm-hmm. I sort of like go with like my gut I'm a gut girl like I can feel this this is the right thing to do um, or this is the right product or this is the right message um, and like of course in business like you have to back it up with some data but like I, I have always sort of lit with heart and and I think that's what makes the difference incredible 
I feel like this is a perfect place to end our conversation. I know you've got to get out of here and this has been so fantastic. So, so fantastic. And I echo everything that you said. It's the reason that the show exists, the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast, because we need we need to be seen. We need to be heard. And the amount of times that I meet women who either walk into my studio or who are listeners and say, like, thank you so much, because I never heard voices like this before. I've never walked into a space that was made for me before. And we need to just keep making shit (laughs) so that we can be seen. And so the next generation knows that they can do it. You know, so thank you. Thank you for just being you. Thank you for existing. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. This was such a beautiful time. Um, I love sharing space with you guys and nice seeing your faces after all these years, especially Jane. (laughs) Well, I'm a big fan. I'm like always watching what you're doing and I'm always so impressed and inspired and I just appreciate it so much. I, I love this industry so much. And to so to see a leader who is really pushing forward in so many important ways and then creating great product as well, I'm, you know, bowing down. I'm a huge fan. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I look forward to seeing you guys in the real world. Hopefully you guys are, you know, outside safely. And so when I am in your cities, like we'll have to link up or something. A hundred percent. Before I let you go, will you tell our listeners where they can find your product, how they can support you, uh, your Instagram handles, anything you want to share? So um, the lip bar, you can shop us on the lip bar.com. Um, you can find us in Target. We're also known as TLB. We did a slight name change when we did this massive expansion outside of Lip. So we're in Target stores, Walmart stores. If you're in the Midwest, Meyer stores. But of course, our website is always open. And then Threat Beauty, which is my new little Gen Z baby. Um, you can find that exclusively in Target stores across the country. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So what did you guys think of that, Melissa? How incredible is she? I feel like she... One is we have Aries pride. All three of us are Aries here. That always is going to make me so happy. I can't believe that the, you know, the internet didn't stop in that moment from all of the energy. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, she's just such a, um, she's a beauty baddie. She's like the definition of a beauty baddie. She's here for the community. She knows who she is. She knows what she wants. And exactly what you just said, if you can't help me get out of the way, which I need to start saying that more often because it's the truth. That's definitely the ram in us also. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, But what were my takeaways? My takeaways were to know who you are, to know what you want, and to know that it's not going to be easy. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. This is why these conversations are so crucial. Because I think for me, the takeaway was that, but also the idea of adversity. You know, I think so often, especially when we're talking about those of us who have kind of existed in the margins, to be able to stand up for yourself sometimes feels like you are putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be labeled. You know, how many times does an entrepreneur become the angry woman? How many times Mm -hmm. does, you know, saying I believe in myself and having that confidence come across as cocky and to get Mm -hmm. such real advice and, you know, authentic advice from someone who stood up and said, I see a need and I'm going to put everything into it and step away from Mm -hmm. Wall Street to be able to batch up lipstick in their kitchen and then build this empire. I think that those are the pieces that are so important for us to listen to and remember and hold on to in those moments where we're struggling in our own selves and our own kind of steps towards success, you know? Totally. And, you know, when you were speaking, I realized the real thing that I took away from well, from specifically the story of uh, Shark Tank, is that she said, I was going on to Shark Tank for visibility, and it worked. Mm -hmm. Like, that was her goal, right? She didn't go on thinking, like, I'm going to get all this money. I'm going to change these guys' mind. They're going to see me for who I am, and they're going to understand the need. Yes, that would have all been nice if she had accomplished that. But the one big goal that she wanted was accomplished, And sometimes within failure, it's not a complete failure. We were talking about this before. Like there are things that you can get out of any experience. 
And, you know, the thing that she took away from that was the thing that helped to propel her to where she is today. It's also that thing that's kind of been like pooled beneath my tongue lately. Like I haven't really had the words to express it. But what I've been thinking is I'm so goal oriented. You know, we're Aries. So we are Mm -hmm. always big thinkers. We're big idea people. And I'm always moving forward, like short-term goals, long-term goals, checking in with myself, over-talking, overthinking it, talking to my friends about it. And so Mm -hmm. often our immediate thought of thinking, oh, I'm going to go on Shark Tank to get the money and focusing on that instead of stepping back sometimes and seeing a bigger picture, the way that Mm -hmm. she clearly is able to, she could have missed out on so much opportunity. And I think Mm -hmm. that that to me is always a great reminder too, like tunnel vision is just as disruptive for our creativity and our careers and our, you know, stepping into ourselves as like not allowing yourself to imagine what's possible. Mm, Yes. A hundred percent, because there's so many ways to get to where you want to be. Exactly. And it, it's definitely not going to look the way that you think it is. Ever, ever, <laughs> it might, ever. Parts of yeah, it might. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> but however you're imagining it, it ain't going to be that. So get used to, uh, you know, changing. Yeah. Get used to shifting. And it's probably the question that you, get, you know, I know I get it the most. And I assume you do too. People, like, especially early stage artists or people in the beauty industry will reach out to me and they'll say like, well, when does it happen? And when is that moment? And, you know, this was a great reminder that it isn't just one moment. It's a constant moving forward and adapting and evolving, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Russian in her poems says, you know, stretch or drown, evolve or die, you know? And I always think, like, mm. that's what we have to constantly keep moving forward and pulling it in and and moving forward to whatever it is that's coming to us and aligning and creating. And I just was blown away by the talk today. Mm -hmm. I think so too. And I was blown away by not to get woo, but all the different ways that today aligned for us and in so many different facets, right? The conversations that you and I had Mm -hmm. before we even got on air that she brought up, it was just like a very magical conversation, I think overall. It definitely was. So with that, will you take us home? Take take us out? I will. <laughs> uh, DM or email us your listener letters and beauty baddie moments of the week on Instagram at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast or True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast at gmail.com. Follow our personal Instagram accounts. I I know for me, I'm all over Instagram, so you can follow me at Javens at Makeup for my personal. You can follow me at Rebels and Outlaws for my uh, woo-woo candles and conjurings or at The Makeup Show if you're interested in some more education and community uh, in person. And to find out more about me, you can visit my website at James Vincent Makeup or just hit me up on Instagram. I love to chat. I'm very, I like, I like to talk. Uh, about makeup so I'm always around I love this my personal Instagram account is at the brown Elizabeth Taylor and you can make an in-person or virtual appointment at truebeautybrooklyn.com to hang with me you can make an in-person appointment with Alex she'll be back in a couple of weeks at cheekybrooklyn.com and that's it we will see you next week and uh, what an honor to be here Elizabeth I just want to say thank you and thank you to all the listeners and goodbye Thank you. Thank you so much. You're a dream, a real, a true dream. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. (laughs) The True Beauty Brooklyn podcast is produced by Beta Wave and Elizabeth Taylor and is mixed by Beta Wave. Follow us on Instagram at True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. And if you'd like to further support the show, consider leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.